0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris.
1: Friday edition. Wagner is off, continuing to rest and recuperate post-election. I think he's watching everything. now. If he's smart, he won't. He's not. No. I, I think I'm. I think we're pretty safe in saying Jeff is not glued to CNN or Fox or MSNBC these days. Uh, he'll be back on Monday. So it's Scott Warris, Kyle Paczynski producing the program. I do owe all of you some degree of palate cleansing. And I know normally we do that, and we will, in the 2 o'clock hour. It is a Friday, and Jeff often has, usually, regularly, Pop Culture Corner. But I can't use that term because he has full copyright privileges to that term. So I'll just call it Friday Fun. And we teased it yesterday, so I want you to start thinking now. Don't call or text or email yet. Seriously, don't text now because then we get more texts and the screen just kind of scrolls through, and then we lose it two hours later. It is, see if I can get it right this time. Name the movie on which you walked out. I think that's what we're going with. Never end a sentence in a preposition. That's what we're going to do at 2 o'clock. I don't know. I got into a conversation the other day with somebody in the building. I forget who. And they named... They named a movie that I almost left. I almost. I, I have. I, I will tell you. I have two. I have one where I was this close to leaving, and then I have one that I did leave because uh, I was too young to drive, and it was a okay. We're getting out of here. So though I, I've got a couple to add, but I want you to start thinking now. Two o'clock hour. Two o seven. The movie on which you walked out. But we do have to start with, uh, by the way, we do have to start with what's happening in Washington. I don't know. You know, we're on till three. There is a chance that Pennsylvania and Kyle keep an eye on things. If I miss it, obviously, there is a chance that Pennsylvania could get called for um, Biden before we're done at three. Uh, Nevada, let's see, Clark County, Nevada official. We anticipate having a final count of mail ballots by Sunday. Okay, Sunday it is. (laughs) So we're monitoring. Do do you see what the networks have done? I noticed this last night because I brought this up on the show yesterday. I'm gesturing here to Kyle. Now, finally, maybe they were listening. Yesterday... I said that one of the things that's bothering me with all of the television networks is that they give you the percent and then they're giving us the total tally per candidate. But it forces us the viewer to do the math. And I'm sick and tired of trying to subtract... You know, 3,307,724 minus 3,295,334. I'm, I'm sick and tired of trying to do that math in my head. Now, we've got CNN up on one screen. We have Fox on the other. Look what Fox has done. Fox has actually broken it down. They're giving us the vote differential. Hallelujah. So Biden is up by 43,000 in Arizona, Georgia, Biden currently up by about 1,500, Nevada, Biden up by over 20,000, North Carolina, Trump up by over 76,000, Pennsylvania, uh, Biden currently leading by almost 12,500, so thank you for doing that. Now somebody's saying Fox did that from the beginning, I didn't see that from the beginning, Not in the way they have it now. But my thanks to them and uh, my encouragement to the rest of the news networks, do that because you've given us the percent, but we're beyond percent now. We're, We're talking about raw tallies, raw votes. And don't make the American public do math. We're not good at math. Just look at our test scores annually and give us the actual differential, the vote difference. So I'm glad they're doing that. Here's the question that I'd like to start with today. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. There's been um, reporting over the last 24, 36 hours about the inner circle, those around President Trump, and that this fight is, like most things, being fueled by the President's urging. This is not his chief of staff, Mark Meadows. This does not appear to be pushed by Ivanka or Jared, although they're supporting it, I'm assuming. And yes, I realize Don Jr. and Eric are indeed out there kind of, um, you know, running with what their dad wants to do. But in the end, all reports indicate this push, this fight, this claim of, Fraud, rampant fraud, is being pushed by the president. He is not going to let this thing go. He is not going to go quietly, right? So, my question to you at 855 616 1620 is this If you today received a phone call from President Donald Trump, your phone rings and it says, well, it probably says unlisted, but it says, you know, White House, and they say, Kyle, Please hold for the president. All of a sudden, Trump gets on the phone and says, Kyle, what should I do? What should I do? What advice would you give me in this moment? What do you tell him? That's the question. That's how I want to start. And I, I want you to be honest with yourself. Obviously, I don't want you to lie to yourself. I don't want you to lie to us. But... If you have voted for the president a couple days ago, if you are the most ardent of Trump supporters, if you can't stand the man, if you wouldn't vote for him, if you absolutely were forced to, wherever you fall on the political spectrum, if you got a call today from the president and he asked you, what should I do, you see how this is going? You see the fight that I'm willing to put up. You, you've heard the claims that I'm making. What should I do? What is your advice for the president? 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. I'm interested because I have heard anecdotally that there are people out there who are Trump supporters who have voted for him now twice. But even now, even now, they're looking big picture. Maybe they're seeing the vote totals come in. They realize the writing is on the wall. And even some of the most staunch Trump supporters over the last four plus years are sitting back, stepping back and going, is this what's best for the country? So what would you tell him? I want you to put yourself on the other end of that phone. Or if you want, you're called to the Oval Office. It's just you and Trump in the office. And he says, what should I do on November 6th? What do you tell him? 855-616-1620 on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I invite those of you from all ends of the political spectrum, because I'm willing to bet if you got that call, you have some advice for him. I'm willing to bet as you've watched over the last, what, two plus three days now, you have in your mind put yourself in a position to be an advisor to the president. And you have said, man, I would tell him, fill in the blank, 855-616-1620. This is how we start a Friday edition of the Wagner List program.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: For in for Jeff Wagner. President Trump calls you up. Your phone rings and says, please hold for the president. And then he says, he comes on the line, the familiar voice. I'm not going to do an impression. It's not good. And he says, what should I do? Give me some advice. You've seen how I have reacted to this point. What should I do? 855-616-1620. It is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here we go. Janelle in Wind Lake, good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Okay, so the president calls you. Janelle, this is uh, President Trump. Give me advice. What should I do? Go ahead.
2: I would tell him I'm a longtime Trump supporter, voted for him in both elections, and I believe that it's time for him to fall on his sword. You know, maybe leave with a little bit of dignity and fall on your sword, concede, and then maybe you can still do this investigation after the fact.
1: But we already lost, Janelle. There is rampant fraud going on in states. The Democrats have completely rigged what is happening in Philadelphia. How can I give in? There are too many people like you that believe in me. I owe it to people like you, Janelle, and the millions and millions and millions of Americans who've supported us and our movement. How, why, how, how can I concede?
2: I feel like, you, you know, you need to concede. The nation needs to move on. This has been a rough, rough year. Everyone just needs to move on. And he can prove even not being president, what we all know is happening. I mean, everyone that voted for him, we all know what's going on. And as much as we want him to be president, it's not going to look that way. No one wants us to be drug out until next year. Um, it's just, you know, time to fall on your sword and leave with some dignity.
1: Thanks, Chanel. Appreciate it. Good Thank job. You. Good call. Yeah. Way to get us going. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. The president calls you up says, "Vicki in West Bend, this is President Trump. I need your advice. America is at a crossroads. America needs me. What should I do?
3: I would say thank you for taking my call. Um, I would say and tell him you are fired.
1: But I'm not fired. We have to count these votes. You're telling me, you're telling me that Americans have fired me. We were leading by tens of thousands in Pennsylvania, and now over the last couple of days, the numbers have miraculously flipped due to rampant voter fraud. They're not even, Vicky. They're not even letting. They're not even letting um, Republican observers in during the counting of the uh, the mail in absentee ballots. This is being stolen out from under us. You have to have proof of fraud until
3: there's. Proof of fraud. you can't do anything. Once there's proof, then go on with it.
1: Thank you, Vicki. There you go. That's Vicki in West Bend's message to the president. 855-616-1620. Of the Academy Mortgage Talk and text line. 920-TEXTER, Scott, the president should take the legal challenges as far as he can but he needs to state that uh, he needs to. Oh, I lost the text here. Dug on it. He needs to state that that includes making false allegations and everything else. Nine two zero. My advice would be the same as the Philadelphia mayor, who just said a little while ago, he needs to put his big boy pants on. He needs to acknowledge the fact he lost and he needs to congratulate the winner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Mary Jo, Marcus, Robert, Terry Lee. On the line, don't go anywhere. Open lines. We got a ton of open lines as well for you. What's your advice to the president? He's calling you, he's asking you. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, let's quickly uh, sneak one in before the news. We're going to keep this going through the news, so we'll keep it rolling. Terry Lee and Franklin. Terry Lee, this is the president. Terry Lee, I, I need your advice. I, I'm the only one here in the Oval Office right now. What should I do, Terry Lee? Terry Lee, this is the candidate. Terry Lee, this is the president again. Turn your radio off in the background because I'm hearing myself.
3: I would
1: say fight. Turn the radio off in the background, Terry Lee. I'm the president, and I'm going to have you audited if you don't turn your radio off in the background. Yes. Okay.
3: I would, my way <laughs> would be fight.
1: Why? Tell me why. I'm feeling down. People are coming after me, telling me to, to throw in the towel, to give it up. Why do I need to keep fighting, Terry Lee? I, I need some confidence.
3: Because of the voter fraud. I've heard from many, many people that they went to vote in Milwaukee and they t- were told that they already did a mail-in vote, which they did not do.
1: Do you think I can win Wisconsin, Terry Lee? I'm down by about 20, what, 20-some-thousand votes. Am I going to be able to overturn 20,000 votes worth of fraud?
3: I believe so. I believe I've heard from at least five people myself, and I'm sure there's 20,000
1: more. All right, Terry Lee. I will continue to fight for you, Terry Lee.
3: Thank you. You are my president.
1: I look for your vote again in 2024 because I'm running again. 855-616-1620 855-616-1620 on the Akinet Mortgage Talk and text line. 262-TEXTER. Mr. President, have your team quietly and privately determine if there is any valid basis to challenge the results in any given state. If so, pursue through legal channels. If not, be a man and concede defeat. And in the meantime, shut up. Well, I appreciate your advice as America's Commander-in-Chief, but I do not appreciate being told to shut up. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Back to the phones we go. Uh, let's uh, let's go to Robert in Bayside. Robert, this is uh, President Trump. I need your advice. It's um, it doesn't look good, but. I have no intentions of giving it up. Should I? What should I do, Robert? Well, Scott, I mean, Don. Please, please. It's I Mr. Say, please, please, please. Mr. President, but go ahead.
4: I would say uh, have show some uh, pride and dignity and act like the president. Uh, if you lost fairly, if, it, if, if it's true that you lost, Show some class for your family, your kids behind you. Uh, they have aspirations of going somewhere with this, possibly. Uh, show some class and, and come off the porch and come inside the house because yelling at everybody that was that was the most pathetic thing I've ever witnessed. It's, watching uh, this Robert,
1: week. Robert, I'm not, Robert. I am not. I'm not yelling. I am fighting. I am fighting for the tens of millions of Americans that voted for me in 2016, even though I, I was, I was, uh, you know, that, 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 that was a fraud. That was a sham of an election. Hillary Clinton tried to steal it four years ago. And I need to fight against the fact that Joe Biden and the Democrats are trying to steal this election this time. I was able to beat back this usurping of power four years ago. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let Joe Biden and the Democrats try to steal this one from me in 2020.
4: Twenty. I would say uh, your PR people screwed up. You should have told them to mail your votes in early, and you probably would have won.
1: Thank you, Robert. Appreciate your contribution to the Thank nation. You. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage. Talk and text line. Let's continue here. Marcus is on the north side. Marcus, this is the president, and I need some advice right now. What, what, what should I do?
5: Okay, being an African-American man, uh, I did vote for Trump. I would tell Mr. President, Mr. President, stand down. At this point, you said you've done more for uh, the African culture in the United States since Abraham Lincoln. Show your pride at this point. Stand down. Accept the vote count uh, and go forward from there. I would deliver a great speech, Mr. President, as far as so if you mention Abraham Lincoln, I would deliver a speech that would be so powerful that it will live on in your legacy. That, in the, even though what you've done these past four years of what has happened, I would leave a legacy to the African American people throughout the United States and even other cultures as well. That yes, uh, I accept the results of the of what's going on right now, especially since you mentioned. Abraham Lincoln. That's Ms. what I would tell him just this stand. Marcus, out.
1: Marcus, and I, I I I appreciate your vote, but I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you as a as, as a supporter of mine. So let me ask you this, Marcus. What would Abraham Lincoln do? Okay. You think Abraham Lincoln would would turn down a fight? Are you kidding me? This is Marcus, this to me as President Donald Trump, this is my civil war. This is the moment. Like Abraham Lincoln was called to 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 sew our country back together, I'm trying to bring us together by doing this. I'm trying to bring us together. And and you you voted for me. You voted for the fighter that I am. And I want to continue to fight for you and for all other African American uh, in this country, even those that did not vote for me, because I have done more for African Americans in this country since Abraham Lincoln. But it's the fight. It's the fight. That's when I thrive. That's when I'm at my best. You want me to wave the white flag? This is as close to a civil war since Abraham Lincoln walked this earth.
5: Once again, out, Mr. President, Mr. Donald Trump. I would tell you this at this point. Once again, uh, you had uh, Mr. Custer, uh, General Custer, at at the uh, when he got annihilated. Listen, we need to bring the country together at this point. You stated for one particular, uh, my culture as far as Black African people. You stated you've done more than than that since Abraham Lincoln. At this point, you're not fighting for me. You're fighting for yourself. You you're think fighting for your
1: future, you're
5: Marcus. Fighting, my future. Marcus,
1: future, Marcus. Marcus, my future is your future. You think Joe Biden? You think Joe Biden's going to do for the African American community? In this country, what I have done for this country, I need to bring, I need to make us great again, again, as my vice president would say. Because of, okay. be, 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 because the China virus has, has torn down what was the greatest economy of all time. You need me. America needs me to bring this back. And if we're watching in Philadelphia, the rampant fraud, the, the criminality, They're not letting Republicans watch the count. Just let us in the room and watch the count, Marcus. They're not doing that. You, as a Trump voter, just a few days ago, should be as passionate about this as I am.
5: No, that's incorrect, because when you're wrong, you're wrong. I'm saying at this point, you need to bring Mr. President, Mr. Trump, bring the country together at this point. You need to accept. The election, how the process is, how the people do the ballots, how everything has been on point since day one, since this country was founded since 1776, and since this started, and especially from an African-American point. So you need to stand down because you are destroying the process of what the election and, and actually counting ballots. You are wrong, Mr. President, and you need to stand down. Now, if you want future African-American votes in the future, as far as voting for different candidates on a local, uh, local level, as well as the larger level, you need to stand down. We have voted for you. We put the vote in. You need to stand down because you are destroying the process because you're being a sore loser at this point. You need to give a great Abraham Lincoln speech and close it out with that, and then we, we can remember that point that, hey, you, you know, I was wrong. Yep, yeah, I, I need to stand down on this and that. That I accept the result, and this is what it is. It didn't happen, but for all of this voter fraud and all that, 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 you're going on a slippery slope, Mr. Trump. And uh, I, I hate to tell you that, but but you're you're wrong. That, that that that's where I stand with it.
1: If I step down, will you vote for me if I run again in 2024, Marcus?
5: It's a different world four years from now. Uh, I'm age 51. Uh, Steve, so at, at this age, so in four years from now, you would get. It, it's unlikely that Donald Trump would would, would be even close to a snippet. Are of you kidding, Marcus?
1: Again. I will be, Marcus. I will be seventy eight, seventy nine, and I will be the most spry, in shape, healthy 78, seventy eight, seventy nine year old that this nation has ever seen. Thanks for the call, Marcus. I appreciate you spending some time with President Donald Trump. Kathy in Mount Pleasant. Kathy, this is the president of the United States. Um, I need your advice right now because it is getting ugly, and I feel like some people around me are tra- are, are getting weak, and, and I will not put up with weakness. I am strong. We need a strong America, and I will fight this. Should I not fight this, Kathy? Uh,
6: president Trump, I really appreciate everything that you've done. You've done a fantastic job. And you've done a great job moving the needle the last four years. But from my understanding is that unless you have something to back up these accusations and these statements, that we really need to move America forward. And I know that you support us as a great country, and I think we need to do that. And if the people have voted and it's not looking that way, then why not just stand down and reset yourself, regroup, And find out how you can move the needle continuously behind the scenes or through other people. I think you've done a fantastic job. Um, I had personally worked the polls for the first time. They double-checked, triple-checked, quadruple-checked. I think, you know, you need to keep your chin up and go for 2024. Kathy, Kathy,
1: let me ask you this. So you worked the polls, and I appreciate your service to our nation by working the polls. As you know, I'm going to be calling and, and, and working towards a, a, um, a recount here in here in Wisconsin. Do you think my recount will be successful? What did you see on Election Day that tells you I will be successful or maybe I, I'm misguided in my recount for Wisconsin?
6: Uh, for the recounts, after the polls close, there is a ton of people in the room. They go through all the ballots and there's counting going on, and those ballots have to match the counts that go through the machine. And the first time around... We were off by four. There was four ballots missing. So we had to go back and recount and then double check, double count again. And then it was happened that the ballots were stuck to one another.
1: So what you're saying, Kathy, is there are checks and balances built into the system. It's not a perfect system, but there are methods and ways to ensure to the best of the ability and to the integrity of the men and women working the polls that the ballots are counted legally and everything is on the up and up in Mount Pleasant and in Wisconsin.
6: Correct. However, if you take that into consideration, we didn't have as many people as you as in in uh, Nevada and Pennsylvania, and that's where it gets a little cumbersome because it takes a long it, it takes a long time to to put the ballots together and stack them and count them and have someone else. It, it's a it's a long process. Mm-hmm. But I really do appreciate everything you've done. You've really moved a needle, and I've really appreciated that. And I think we can move forward, do a reset, and maybe come at it at, at a different way. Because I think y- you are very insightful, and if we can just maybe you could do something behind the scenes and continue to do your work, because it's been great, great work, and you've made America great. And I think you can continue to do that in a different way.
1: Thank you, Kathy, for working on Tuesday. And I appreciate your call here to the White House, 855-616-1620.
0: This is Rick Edelman. For the investment and financial planning advice you need right now, The Rick Edelman Show, Saturday from 11 a.m. to noon, right here on 620 a.m. WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Have a couple of moments left to talk to the president. Looking for the advice you would give President Trump right now, maybe advice you don't think he's getting from those around him. Whether you voted for him or not, whether you like the guy or not, he's calling and he needs your advice. Mary Joe, this is the president. Uh, good afternoon. What should I do? What advice can you give me, Mary Joe? Oh, she was on hold for like twenty-five minutes too, Mary Joe. Mary Joe. Mary Joe is standing up the president of the United States. Mary Joe, Mary Joe, man, presidents calling Mary Joe and she's not there. She held for so long too. I'm sorry to do that. Jim in Door County, hi Jim. Yes, thanks for uh, calling. Well, thank Here's, you, Jim. Uh, I, I wish... Jim, I, I need your advice. Uh, my time is brief, but I wanted to make sure I got your voice. Uh, in on this decision-making process?
4: It takes a big ego to be president, and you have that. Here's an opportunity for you to enhance that. Take the high road now and concede and promise the American people that in four years you're going to be back to clean up the mess the Democrats are going to make the next four years.
1: Hmm. So come, you want me to step down now, concede now, but guarantee my run again in four years?
4: Absolutely. And the, 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 um, because the Democrats don't know how to lead. Uh, and you're going to be able to really make America great again in four years.
1: Yeah, we could reuse a Need lot someone of Someone
4: with your capability. Yeah.
1: <sighs> but we have this thing, Jim. It's being taken out from us. It's, being, it's the, the, the rug's being pulled out from under our feet right now.
4: There's not enough proof for that. You're better off taking the high road, come back, and rescue us in four years.
1: Mm. It's not bad, Jim. Not bad at all. Thanks for the call. One more. Daniel on the West side. This is uh, the president. I need your advice. What should I do right now? And he hung up. Boy, you make sure Daniel on the West side gets audited this year. Where? (laughs) You just hung up on the president of the United States? You think you're going to do that? Huh? Get me Bill Barr. To the text line here. Uh, I got to get to some here. They've been piling up on us. Advice for the president. 262. Keep fighting. 262. I'm a Republican. Honestly, I hope Biden wins since Republicans still control the Senate. They will. We don't know by the mar, how, you know, the margin, but they will. Then in 2024, I can have a Nikki Haley, Paul Ryan, or Tim Scott ticket. If Trump wins another four years, it'll empower the Dems to then get someone in 2024. It always goes back and forth. And I would rather lose this. I would rather lose this four years then lose the following eight. Hmm. 414 texter, hey Donald, man up and stop being a baby. 414, advice, start packing. Bye. 920, fight. Fight, Mr. President. Rick in Norway says, "Uh, I would advise him to act like Reagan, the Bushes, etc., and be presidential for once. Put country before ego. Absolutely fights, as the 262, if anything, to fix the balloting process, to have only one universal system in place for all 50 states by 2024. A lot of advice for the man at the top. 9 2 I tell Trump to go for it. The election was, is a sham. Total disgust, totally disgusting the way this has progressed. Two six two. I would say you have done everything you can do. Three Supreme Court justices, immigration, tax cuts, economy, good job, uh, good jobs numbers. Time to go enjoy life again. Let it be. Advice to Trump: Concede. See a psychiatrist. Fire Rudy. Hire a defense attorney. <laughs> Pack your bags. Says the two six two. Two six two says I would say brah. First of all, I wouldn't call the president brah. I keep fighting because Biden uh, is the beginnings of dementia, and it's uh, total common sense that we can't have someone who's not all there running the country. Okay, Show some grace, as the 414. Stop fueling rumors of fraud. Believe in the democracy of America and believe in the people. 231, my advice, look to our Constitution. What does it say? 262, I'm not a Trump supporter at all, but truly believe the election is being stolen due to mail-in balloting, the dumping of ballots in the wee morning of hours, all for Biden. And a 262 says, come on, man, please fight like a dog and expose the crooks. I will forward all your comments and your texts to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's
1: Scott Wallace. I am kind of surprised that the NBA is going to start up again on December 22nd. I realize why. It's financial-based. The question now becomes... Will fans be allowed at games? They're not going to do the bubble thing. There was some talk a few months ago. Well, maybe you start the season with regional bubbles, but no bubble set up. No bubble set up. So, will fans be allowed at the Bucks games? Matt Velasquez writes in the Journal Sentinel. Now that we look like it's going to be a December 22nd start for a 72-game Bucks season, right now, technically they would be allowed at Surf Forum. Of course. With COVID raging in our state and across the country, that's certainly subject to change. Latest public health order for the city of Milwaukee, which was revised uh, on the 26th of October, allows for the opening of places of public amusement and activity, which includes FISERV. However, attendance would still be limited, meaning it's likely that attendance would be capped at 25% at most. The uh, team would also be responsible for enforcing proper social distancing, sanitation, ventilation, and masks would have to be worn at all times. Uh, Let's see. Uh, What else? As you heard in uh, sports right there with Brian D., Marquette, as well as UW-Milwaukee will not be having fans at any of their games at least until January 1st. At least until January 1st. Um. This was tweeted out, uh, sent to me by um, Justin Garcia, of course, who is our Bucks insider. He works on the Bucks Network. Um, sources say that the NBA aims to have arena suites open to fans at 25 to 50 percent capacity for the season. Uh, that again would be based on local regulations, and again, an amount of fans uh, is a goal to start the season under the protocols set by the local, the local governments, as it were. We'll see. Man, they're going to cram everything in. You're going to have free agency. You're going to have a draft. Then you're going to have free agency. And then we're going to start on December 22nd. Look, from a fan's perspective, I'm all for it. Let's get back to, let's get back to having games again. The sooner that happens, the sooner you get the taste of that upset to the Miami Heat out of our mouths, right? But, and the news that the Packers linebacker, uh, Chris Barnes, right? Is that the name? Chris Barnes has been, uh, has tested positive for COVID. Um, uh, Do we think that's the only one? Every time I hear one or two, I just naturally assume, based on the incubation period and everything, that there's going to be more. I hope not. I hope not. Maybe the Packers will be, uh, you know, benefit a little bit by the fact that now they don't play until a week from Sunday. Does that help? Perhaps. Okay. Um, Don't forget, an hour from now, start thinking. Palate cleanser. We may have to go early with a palate cleanser, Kyle. Maybe uh, maybe after one thirty, depending on how this hour plays out, I may introduce an earlier palate cleanser. But I know for sure, 2 o'clock, 2.07, uh, Friday fun in lieu of Pop Culture Corner. Name the movie out of which you almost walked. I don't know if that's right. The movie you almost walked out of... Mm-hmm. Or thought about. Somebody pushed back and said, I've never walked out of a movie theater, but I've come close. So we will probably open things up. If you haven't actually done it, because that does take some chutzpah to do, that does take some pretty substantial. fortitude to do that, because you've paid for a ticket, maybe you've purchased something at the concession stand, so there's been a financial investment, and then to actually, you know, convince yourself that whatever's happening on the screen warrants you walk out, that's some strong sauce, I get that, so we'll probably open it up and say, okay, if not that, then how close, what what movie brought you the closest to walking out of the theater? We'll do that in an hour. Um, just a couple things on on the the state of our race right now, the the state of the election, as they anticipate new votes from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania expected shortly. Biden's going to address the nation tonight. Again, I'm not sure what what uh, that will all entail. I would say a couple things. I, I'm still not, I'm not panicking. I'm not freaking out. I'm not worried that America is going to be forever changed based on what happens in the next several weeks. And. One reason for that, I believe, is we're set up to deal with these type of issues. Are we not? It was uh, Kathy in Mount Pleasant that talked about the checks, as she was a poll worker in Mount Pleasant. She talked about the checks and balances on the system, the counting, the collecting, the tallying of the ballots the other night. And she detailed what was done at the very, very local level to ensure integrity in what happened there in front of her eyes and that goes on all the time and it went on all across this country but to the challenge that we might see legal or otherwise are we not set up for this we normally don't don't go don't go down this path we normally don't have to have these conversations I mean, it's pretty much been 20 years since we've sat here, what, some three days after Election Day, still not knowing who the president-elect will be, if it's the old guy or the new guy. Well, they're both old, but you know what I'm saying. So, our, our, our system of government, our judicial branch, the executive branch, right? I'm kind of going back to, like, American Government 101, trying to recall some of this stuff, the three branches of government, executive, judicial, and legislative, they check one another. And it is certainly at moments like this that there might be some stretching, some stress on the system, as it were. But our system works. It's worked for few hundred years right and while we may have to dust off certain parts of the overall mechanism because we rarely use it during a presidential election contested it works and because of that we'll be okay it's ugly it's not fun right now it's contentious right now i get that but I really still sit here on Friday where I sat on on, on Wednesday, the morning after. I'm I'm really not nervous. I'm not worried that President Trump is going to have to be dragged. They're going to have to. What are you going to do? Bring military in and drag the man out of the awful Oval Office? No, that's not going to happen. I have faith in our system that when it is challenged, when it is stretched, when it is stressed. It will hold true. And if that means that this particular president is going to stress and stretch and challenge the gears of our overall governing system and structure, okay, but that's what it's here for. And we're going to be all right. And it does kind of remind you that, man, you talk about... Our forefathers, they um, they were kind of onto something, weren't they? <laughs> There's the understatement of the week, were they not? It's it's one of those things where they, here you sit, several hundred years later, and the system that was fundamentally set up then still works. It'll it's being tested and it'll work again. That is my that is my, that is the reason for my underlying. Confidence in however this plays out, America will be fine. And America will be able to handle the decision because of the checks and balances and the Rube Goldberg, as it were, set up that the challenge may go through. The system works. Trust the system. It does. It will. Mm Mm-hmm when we come back, there's only one person I can think of that could step into the room and talk to the president. And and really one voice, based on what we've learned about the president and the family and the administration, there's only really one voice, I think, that can, if and when that time comes, tell him it's time to take a different course. Only one person. And I think that person, we, we've seen at least one example in the past four years where this person's voice has been able to move him to act, or in some cases not act. I'll tell you that name when we come back. If there's a name you would have, is there somebody in that inner circle? And you know it's going to be the inner circle. We're not talking about people that are several degrees removed from the president. But is there a name of somebody that you think... He or she has his ear in in one of the most important moments of, of his presidency and of his life. Does somebody have his ear? We, we know the long list of people who maybe under normal circumstances, tr- more traditional presidents, would be able to, to carry some weight with their words. We know the people, though, that don't. Normal circumstances would. Now, not so much. What about the person or persons who do? Any name come to mind?
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Uh, let's see. Okay. See, now the was just having jokes. Making jokes, said Putin. <laughs> oh, come on. Putin's the one. Now, come on. 414 says Melania. You know, I thought about Melania being the voice of reason, could we say the voice of reason in the inner circle? Maybe, maybe um, you know it was Melania who moved him on uh, when during the immig- well, I say during the immigration fight. But that fight hasn't isn't certainly over. I mean, it was Melania who went down to the border to to we say inspect the conditions uh, that um, you know those. Immigrants were were placed in, the children that were separated from their families. And she did play a role in, in reuniting some of them and, and kind of bettering the conditions there. So, yes. Uh, let's see. 262 says the Pope. Uh, I don't know. 414 Rush Limbaugh. I didn't think about Rush. That That's an interesting name for consideration. If Rush Limbaugh or Hannity... I never thought of that. Okay, this is pretty good. I'm going family. As somebody else said, it would have to be family. I go family and I go Ivanka. I think Ivanka more than anybody, certainly more than either Junior uh, or uh, Don Jr. or Eric. I think Ivanka is the only person in that inner circle, in the family, that would or could be the voice of reason at some point between now and hopefully January 20th if everything continues to play out the way the numbers are playing out, we'd be the only one. I was reminded, too, remember when they, that uh, was back in 2017, during the um, the strike on Syria. Remember that? The president dropped the mother of all bombs. Wasn't that the unofficial term they called it? But uh, he authorized that missile strike, or, or am I thinking of a different one? Well, I mean, there, there was a missile strike in Syria, um at that Assad regime airbase. Remember that? Maybe the mother of all bombs was in Afghanistan. Can you look that up for me? When did Trump drop? Just do Trump, mother of all bombs. Maybe I'm getting my bombings mixed up. But there was the strike against the Assad airbase. It was back in, uh, was that April? Yeah, April of 17. And it came out after the fact that Ivanka played a role in that... Um, being a mother of three, this is what Eric Trump told uh, reporters, Ivanka is a mother of three kids and she has influence. I'm sure she said, listen, this is horrible stuff. Remember, this was in response to, uh, Assad's, uh, chemical weapon being used against his own citizens. And there were pictures of those children and like one child in particular that had been, had been, uh, gassed in essence. And that struck Ivanka so much. That her reaction, her response, was enough to bend the ear of her father, to the extent that he issued um, that airstrike in Syria, and that was one of the first memories I have of really realizing the stark, the stark impact that Ivanka Trump has when it comes to, dare I say, foreign policy. But something as as imp- as powerful as as an airstrike, and. That's why I say Ivanka uh, Ivanka is the one that I think would be the the loudest voice in his ear at any point between now and inauguration day. did you find it the mother of all bombs it was Afghanistan okay thank you for looking that up uh, I got my I got my I got my bombings mixed up I apologize but you remember the the point I was making um Yeah, you know, another texter said Sean Hannity. I Maybe, maybe. If Hannity and Lynn, if Okay, if there was a moment when you got Hannity on one line, Rush on the other, and they both say, Don, Donald, look, it's over, man. It's over. Maybe. Maybe then. But for now, my money... On uh, the loudest voice in his ear, whispering in his ear, would be Ivanka. Even more than his wife, which is pretty remarkable, considering the relationship between presidents and their wives over the years. But we know the setup with this arrangement, don't we?
3: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All
1: right. I have one more political point I'd like to make after the news. And it's actually, uh, on an email, on an email from somebody who lost. And I was just reading it, reading through it. And I'm like, you know what? This is how you lose graciously. This is how you lose, I think, uh, with class in some ways. So I'm going to share that uh, message. And then I'm just, let's just go palate cleanser. You just got to do it, Kyle, because I, look, we're monitoring things. If something, when something changes, if something changes, we'll bring it to you. It's not like we're going to ignore it, but it's time to, it's Friday. Show we're halfway we're at the halfway point of the show. Going palate cleanser after the news. Okay. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, I just want to read this. Listen to this for a second, okay? My friends, thank you. Thank you deeply for your support, dedication, and undying belief in a better Wisconsin. Though we did not receive our desired results, it is crucial to remember we are all part of goals greater than ourselves, greater than just me. We received 50,000 more Democratic votes than in 2016. Our campaign played a pointed role in making Waukesha and Washington counties less red than they once were. These were critical pieces of Joe Biden's victory in Wisconsin. In this tight election, every single vote counts. We are proud of this feat. You should be proud of this accomplishment. All of our determined volunteers, passionate supporters, and everyone who generously contributed to this movement have my unwavering gratitude. I also owe tremendous thanks to my amazing wife and love of my life and my children who inspire me to fight for future generations. We made progress in this district, but we also made progress in Wisconsin. And with Joe Biden poised to enter the White House, we're making progress as a nation. Though defeat stings, I ask you to remember that we are part of a greater mission. I will always believe in progress over partisanship, country over party, and unity over division. Undeniably, our country is still divided. Though these divides run deep in our own district, they are not insurmountable. These truths are bigger than any of us, and I am warmed to know that so many Wisconsinites will continue spreading these messages. We will continue to make change among our friends, family, and community members. We will continue to strive for progress. We will continue to reach out to those who disagree with us to find common ground. Despite all of our differences, we are more alike as Americans than we are different. This campaign and this chapter of my life have been challenging yet so rewarding. Every bit of the challenge is worth the reward of changing minds, bringing people together, and creating a vision of a new way forward for Wisconsin. My chapter as a candidate is over, but my time as a community member and change maker will continue. I look forward to empowering future candidates in this district who stand for progress. There are great things on the horizon. It is incumbent on all of us to go out and pursue them. It's been a privilege and honor to pursue them as your candidate, and it'll be an honor to continue fighting for change in our district. Thank you. Do you know who said that? Do you know who sent that out? That's Tom Pelzowitz. Tom Pelzowitz, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. He challenged, as a Democrat, he challenged Scott Fitzgerald for the outgoing Sensenbrenner congressional seat. And he lost... And that is a graceful, what would you say, graceful uh, defeat, graceful in defeat. That message is perfect. That is a template. That is, that message that was sent out is a template on how you lose and bow out gracefully. It is. And I know we're talking a lot about the presidential race right now. But that is something for every Senate candidate or U.S. Representative candidate, gubernatorial candidate, alderman, alderperson, school board, district attorney. That is the message that you want to send when you've lost, right? That's a template. So I I just, I wanted to, I I read that. I got a ton of emails coming in. I, I read that and I thought, you know what? There's no claim of, you know, of any wrongdoing. And I know the margin was not exactly close. So maybe if it was close, maybe Palsowitz goes a different route. I don't know. But I thought that's a pretty good sentiment to leave on your way out. When we come back. When we come back, palate cleansing Friday begins. Oprah Winfrey, yeah, she's still doing stuff. I mean, I know she's still got trillions of billions of quadrillions of dollars. I don't technically don't think she's a billionaire. She's not a billionaire. Is she a billionaire? No, she's not a billionaire. Like, is her empire, make her a bill? I'll have to check a list of some sort. She's got a lot of money. She did something today that I didn't know she was still doing. Quite frankly, because I don't know what her platform is. Probably a website, and that's it. But it got me to thinking. If Oprah can still have her favorite things in 2020, without a TV show to promote it, does she even still have the magazine going? I think the magazine's done, too, isn't it? We can have our own favorite things. Stay tuned. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay. Stop sending me the texts. She's still a billionaire. People are like, hey, moron. She's a 2.6, 2.6 billion is Oprah's net worth. Even without the show anymore. She still has the network, right? The Oprah network or whatever it's called. Um, I love this. What does she do with her money? People ask, what does she do with her money? It says here she spends her fortune on property across the globe, a private jet, vacations for her friends and staff, and so on and so forth. How much does she make a day? All right, I'm not reading that. That's getting depressing. So I i didn't know. Remember Oprah would do the favorite things, and everybody would go, all the it was usually an audience full of women, and they'd all just blah, they'd go crazy because she gives everything to everybody in the audience. Well, she doesn't have the show anymore. I don't know what her platform is, probably the website. I just saw the headline. Oprah Winfrey reveals her favorite things for 2020. And I thought, she's still doing that. Okay, I guess if you're Oprah and you are in fact a billionaire, you can still do that. So then I thought, you know what? Let's try to get out of the doldrums of the week, of the day. Your favorite things. I know, I know. But here's the thing. you got to think simply. So then I started jotting things down. If I was going to make my list of Warris' favorite things, now I don't know if these are going to be flying off the shelves during the holiday season, you know, just because Oprah puts out, what did she put out? 72 gifts. Things as cheap as a $13 puzzle. Things as expensive as a $3,500 Samsung television. All kinds of, you know flashy stuff i'm not flashy okay but by god i got favorite things kyle i'm gonna ask you for some of your favorite things. i told you during the break and you gave me this look like what it's just favorite things so here are a couple things it can be anything what your favorite thing your favorite thing here's on here's my holiday war favorite things list okay if you're gonna go shopping everybody's gonna go out and buy these things that oprah says to buy well why not buy some of my favorite things kyle Like the three cheese nacho from Qdoba. Chips on the side. You don't get chips in the bowl because then when they pour the queso on top of it, the chips get soggy and waterlogged by the time you get it home or even by the time you walk to your table. And yes, let the record show, I am staunchly in the Qdoba camp in the age-old debate of Qdoba or Chipotle. Qdoba, Chipotle, Coke, Pepsi, Bears, Packers, Ginger, Marianne—these are the great. These are the great debates of our time. Anyway, three cheese nacho from Qdoba would be on the Warris' favorite things list suggestion for the holidays. Five Hour Energy. Now, I do not drink the little Five Hour Energies. It's—I know some people who are chugging those things instead of coffee every day. No, 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 no. But I have found that the Five Hour Energy. Is, I'm telling you, when I know it's going to be a late night, or maybe um, maybe you got to drive through the night, you, you just, you can't be dozing off. You know when I had a five-hour energy? I had a five-hour energy, not on election night, but um, um, during our debate shows, when I knew I had the, the, the pre-show, the debate, then I was doing the post-game show, as it were. And so... Had a five hour energy. There's no crash at the end. It's just like they say, too. It, it, it's pretty remarkable. You just slowly get tired. You don't, you don't, you know, suddenly hit you like a ton of bricks. Anyway, five hour energy would be on the warrior's list of favorite things. Here's another thing I don't have a particular brand, but I would put a pack of new socks. On the list of Warris' favorite things, again, simple person here. I'm not. I'm not a billionaire like Oprah. I would put a pack of new socks. Is there anything better than a, a fresh pack of socks? Right. Hmm? It's like walking on a cloud. I would put Brewers tickets on the club level. That way, if you can picture Miller Park, I know it's been a while since we've been all in Miller Park. That would be from the. If I'm counting up from, there's four levels. You have the field level, the loge level, the club level, and then the terrace level. Club level is the third, okay? It's probably the smallest of all the levels. That I have found to be the ideal location to watch a Brewers game. You're not too high. You're not too low. You get a good vantage point. And the concourse is carpeted, and it's air-conditioned, if that helps. So I would put Brewers tickets to Miller Park. At, uh, at the club level on my favorite things list. Those are just the first like four things that came to my mind. I also have a certain type of ballpoint pen that I absolutely love, but I can't remember the name of it, to the point where I borrowed a pen from somebody two years ago, and they they lent me this pen, and it doesn't smear, it doesn't smudge, it flows on a piece of paper, and when I went to give it back, they were gone, I don't know who this person was. I needed a pen and a pinch. Needed a pen and a pinch. And they let me this pen. I used it till it died. Then I actually kept it, took it with me to Target to search for that brand of pen. And I've been using that pen ever since. I tell you the brand, but I don't know what it is. All right, so now I've stalled long enough. What is on we just got like a minute here, so give me a, one or two things on Kyle Pachinski's list of favorite things.
7: It's a lot of food, I found. That's okay. uh, but that's what I thought of right away. Uh, but I'll give you something that isn't food. Okay, so the first thing that I thought of—I'm not as in, as in uh, physical shape as I used to be, so this will probably tire me out uh, much sooner than back in the day. But trampolines, uh, specifically, if you can go to a business that has like the trampoline, you know, the big bounce—not a bounce house, but like you know, the trampoline, like big gymnasiums that are filled with them. That's a good time, no matter what. Like, I mean, no matter what age you are, take off your shoes, bounce around. You might get tired after about, like, five minutes like me, but that's... You're cashing happy checks every time. Uh, Out of season for right now, but uh, sugar snap peas in the summer. Um, You make fun of me for this, but I I will literally buy uh, pounds of it on on Saturdays, and I will feed through that uh, maybe, like, four or five pounds throughout the week. Um, And that's always... That's always the thing. Like, okay, June summer is here. Sugar snap peas. Yeah. Uh, something- I've stolen
1: some of them from you over the years.
7: Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then finally, uh, another food one. Something a little bit more local. Uh, ravioli from Glorioso, the Italian market. And, oh, uh, and they okay, they go. make a lot of their pasta on hand, and they are good at it. Um, yeah, they also make great uh, great uh, pizza pizza crusts and uh, stuff like that. That is one of the easily one of the best marketplaces that I go to in town.
1: So. When you read today about Oprah's favorite things, she's still doing it. You know what? You can't afford half that stuff. Remember Warris and Paczynski's favorite things for those of you looking for a good deal this holiday season. See, I told you to would be a palate cleanser. Let's open it up. 855-616-1620. Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Coming up after the news. Friday fun in lieu of pop culture. Corner, I want to hear... The movie that almost made you walk out of the theater. Or maybe you did walk out of the theater, which would be one heck of a a gesture considering you paid something to get in. The movie that was so bad you said, I'm out of here. Or maybe you came this close to doing it. That's what we're going to do in just a couple of moments. 855 616 1620.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show, and now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's
1: Scott Wallace. Some people are suggesting the name of the pen that I like to use. No, know it's a maybe it is a Pilot pen, but it's not the precise V five. I got like three texts from people who said it's the Pilot Precise V5 rollerball pen that you love so much. No, I looked it up. That's not it. I'll get the answer. I know you'll be waiting with bated breath over the weekend. But what we are doing right now in lieu of Pop Culture Corner, I don't know how I got in this conversation or how we got on this track with uh, somebody in the office the other day, and I was telling them about I, If my memory serves me correct There's been one instance where I almost had to walk out of the theater. And one other instance, as I recall, where I did leave the theater. (laughs) And I'm curious what yours is. The movie that almost made you leave the theater, or the movie that you actually said, you know what, I'm out, I'm done. Either it's horrible, it's stupid, maybe it was just something that you were not expecting and you said, I'm out. I don't care if I paid, what does a movie cost now? What does it cost to get into a movie? Eight, nine dollars? I I'm out. 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you mine. Uh, we got plenty of open lines. If you text in, tell me what the movie was and why you left and the circumstances surrounding it. I will tell you, um, the one time that I almost walked out of a movie was Saving Private Ryan. And it's not because it was a horrible movie. It's not because it was a ridiculous movie. It's not because I thought it was frivolous and silly and it was not up to my standards. No. Truth of the matter is, remember when Saving Private Ryan came out? Was that 20 years ago now? I'll have to look it up here. 98, wow, 22 years ago, when Saving Private Ryan came out, remember what the buzz was about that movie? The buzz about that movie was the first, what, half hour. The first 30 minutes, the first 30 minutes could leave you speechless. The first 30 minutes will make an impression. And it certainly did with me. And I remember watching that movie and I almost didn't make it through the first half hour. We saw it as a family in Minneapolis at the Mall of America. For some reason, I remember that. And that first half hour, as they are storming the beach, is so graphic, so violent. Again, this is in the theater. This is not on television where they can censor some of that for the imagery. It was so real, right? I almost couldn't make it. I I can't stomach some of that stuff not a big, uh, I don't, I don't do gore really well, and there was certain gore associated with that first half hour because that's how war is. I understand it. It was so close to, it was as accurate as anything. I, you know, when I've, I've spoken with World War II veterans who were there. I remember being on one of the honor flights, and one of the veterans, when asked, you know, how, how did the real thing, Normandy? He was there. How did that compare to Saving Private Ryan? He said it was as close to the real thing as as I've ever seen. So maybe for a different reason than we will get into here, I almost walked out. I almost walked out um, of Saving Private Ryan because, I don't know, if that that opening scene, the storming of the beach, if that scene goes maybe five, ten minutes longer, I might have been out of there. So that's how we start. And you can kinda of take the slant that I did, or maybe just because you thought it was just so stupid a movie that you said I'm out of here. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with Walkershaw. It is Margie. Hi Margie. Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm well. The movie that you bailed on, you left.
3: Well, first I do want to comment on your private Ryan story, Saving Private Ryan. The one thing, yes, the beginning was so graphic, but the thing I remember most about that movie was at the end of the movie, nobody left their seat, nobody uttered a word for probably five minutes, and then people left the theater slowly and respectfully and silently, and it was that was so memorable that people just were so affected and 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 paid it homage you know yeah no so that, that was that was very that was very cool The one now, now coincidentally I, I
1: know, margie coincidentally yeah. the movie it sounds like you either walked out of or almost walked out of also starred tom hanks right
8: <laughs>
3: you are correct and it's the only tom hanks movie i have just hated and he was horrible but it's a it's a remake, but it's it's just horrible. It was called The Lady Killers, mm-hmm. and he played a con man, and he was all dressed up like Colonel Sanders, and had a <laughs> fake Southern accent, yeah. and it was boring. And if I recall, I think I even fell asleep during the movie in the theater. It was that bad.
1: So you didn't I never leave.
3: Tried watching it again. Okay. No, no, but but you I, almost it, did. It was bad. Yeah. yeah, it was bad. It and was
1: bad. Came, came yeah. out in 2004, The Lady Killers. It Professor just- G.H. Dor, a courtly southern gentleman arrives at the home of a devout elderly woman, hoping to rent her extra room and use her basement to rehearse with his classical music ensemble. His fellow musicians, however, are actually criminals and together they plan to rob a casino. When Mrs. Munson learns of their plan, they decide she must be silenced. Certainly murdering one little old lady cannot be too difficult. Hilarity ensued, and Margie almost walked
3: out. It was not hilarity, I will tell
1: you (laughs) All right. Thanks for the call, Margie. Margie gets us started. See, even some of the great actors of our day can put together some movies that make you well she fell to sleep and before that she almost walked out 855-616-1620 dan is in florida dan what is the movie on which you almost bailed um we were at
8: a viewing a matinee viewing of the doors and uh my buddy and i were the only one in the theater and uh the projectionist had strung the second reel of the film backwards and upside down and it just happened it just happened to be right when they took peyote when they were out in the (laughs) desert so they're talking backwards and everything's moving in reverse and i'm like what i'm like this is what i yelled back to the projectionist i'm like hey what's going on he goes he, he flips the lights out. He goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I, I, it's going to take me about two hours to restring
1: this." Oh, so you bailed I, on that? You, you better have, yeah.
8: Yeah, and I said, "Well, oh, the movie ain't that good anyway. Can we get our money back?" Goes, yeah, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm looking at the doors. This was uh, back. It came out in 1991. Uh, let's see. Start Val Kilmer. And all I know is the first sentence of the summary says, After a psychedelic experience in the California desert, Val Kilmer, Jim Morrison, Val Kilmer, lead singer of The Doors, and his bandmates begin performing in L.A. and quickly become a sensation. Yeah, the, the movie started going backwards, upside down. The audio was wrong, and you thought maybe, Dan, it's just a psychedelic experience. Thanks for the call, man. There we go. A couple of movies. <laughs> People bailed. What's yours? 855-616-1620. Jeff, Kathleen, Randall, and open lines for you. We continue. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff is out. I am Scott. He'll be back on Monday, by the way. Having a little fun on a Friday. The movie (laughs) that you almost walked out on. (laughs) Or you thought about it. Even if you just thought about it. You thought about it. Kathleen is in Germantown. Hi, Kathleen. What was yours? Kathleen. Oh, we lost Kathleen. Uh, Randall in Elkhorn. Hi, Randall. What was your movie? Uh, uh, the Exorcist. You walked out of The Exorcist. I, a girl talked me. Into, I don't like scary movies,
8: and oh. a girl talked me into going to it when I was a twenty-year-old tough guy. <laughs> okay, and. I lasted through the opening credits in about five minutes, and I was
1: gone. Oh wow! See, it was just too—it was just too much for you, huh? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've watched like one scary movie since, trying to recover
8: just from the thought of it. But uh-huh. I tried to watch it on TV later, and it didn't work.
1: So. See, sometimes really scary movies, when they're on television and they have to edit some of the parts out, they're tolerable. For example, Randall, I, I I'm kind of with you. I, I don't really don't do the scary movies. Like I said before, I don't do blood, guts, gore really well. I just I just don't enjoy those kind of movies. And the Saw movie was there three Saw movies, which is pretty gory. Oh, you know the the the, the psychological thriller. But yeah. one time I saw Saw the first one. On, uh, I think it was on the sci-fi channel or sci-fi network or whatever it's called. And I, I tolerated it because they, they edited out some of the most, you know, gory, uh, gratuitous uh, portions of the movie. And I could tolerate it then. It was a psychological thriller. It's a scary movie. I don't need to see him actually sawing his leg off. But, yeah. It was it was kind of like dulled by being on television, but you're saying even on television, you couldn't handle The Exorcist, huh? Well,
8: it 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 uh, no, I couldn't handle the whole thing. My no. wife made me watch my, my my wife made me watch Silence of the Lambs with her, and it it's a it's got horror yeah. aspects to it. Yeah, and I was fine. I watched it on television. It was okay. It was okay. But then I went to get in bed that night, and right as I get in, she made that little snickering noise he made. Oh, no. I fell into the, I fell into the closet. It was bad. But,
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, and then she she dropped a line about uh, fava beans and a nice Chianti. Okay. Thank you, Randall. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. 855-616-1620. All right. Yeah. I would not have gone to Seesaw, let alone Sit-Through-Saw. That makes sense, Jeffs in Fox Point. Hey Jeff, what's the movie you bailed on or thought about?
4: Hey Scott, I almost walked out of um, Three Billboards in Ebbing. Or no, Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Even though Frances McDormand got critical acclaim for her acting, and the reason why is because it just seemed like it was more concerned with this mean-spirited attempts at humor. Than keeping the plot going, and so I was getting really bored just watching these characters being horrible to each other while they're obviously trying to do another Fargo.
1: Mm. Yeah, she won an Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role. She she won an Oscar back in 2017. I've seen that movie, but I saw it on television. And you're right it it was. I watched the whole thing, but I, I'd be lying if I said I was you know riveted to every. Word out of her mouth and that of the characters. Thanks, Jeff. 855-616-1620. Um, let me just hit a couple texts here. 262. Mad Max. My dad and I were laughing throughout the whole movie. Okay, you were laughing, but you, you did think about leaving? 847. The Beach Bum with Matthew McConaughey. A stoner movie from 2019. They thought killing his wife by DUI was a funny way for her to go. And when he beat up an old man in a wheelchair, just for the heck of it, that was enough for us. We stayed, but we sure felt like walking out. Interesting. Dick from Grafton. My wife said she walked out of Chinatown while in high school. Did not find it interesting. And a 414 texter says, La La Land. It was terrible. So either they walked out or they thought about walking out of La La Land. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. Barb, Bill, Chuck. Hang on, you're up next.
7: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All
1: right, let's get in some more calls here. Uh, Barb in Milwaukee. Barb, the movie that you almost bailed on because... It was so bad or so ridiculous or whatnot.
6: I
9: did bail on it, and it was um natural-born killer uh, with Woody Harrelson. Yeah,
1: 1994.
9: terrible. Yeah, it was horrible.
1: <laughs> what did you I like about it? What was it uh, that just didn't pull you in?
9: The violence. Mm-hmm. It was too violent. Oh, it was really
6: bad. Well.
1: It- Tarantino yeah, watched, did write the story. He he, he did uh, play a role in it. So that's not I guess too surprising maybe.
6: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should've thought
1: of that. I should have known, <laughs> known that. You should have known that. If you see Quentin yeah. Tarantino's name affiliated with any motion picture, you can expect some degree of of violence. All right, Barb, thank you so yeah. how, how, how much, Barb, How how much money did you spend on that ticket? Like I don't I don't know. It was way back. Yeah. I I went So probably my
9: might have been five bucks i okay. don't
1: know all right how long how deep into the movie did you stay before you walked out we were about a half hour 45 minutes into it yeah i, I my yeah. guess is thanks bob my guess is once you reach the halfway point you got to kind of just just stick it out just stick it out 855-616-1620 bills in jefferson hi bill good afternoon
5: Hi. Right. how's it going
1: What's the movie that you said My oh, movie,
5: Titanic.
1: <laughs> Wait, you bailed on Titanic? Are you saying you jumped ship on that movie? <laughs> I sure did. That was some of the worst acting I had ever seen. The documentary
0: on the movie is shorter than the movie is. So Yes, so, I left so, my wife sitting in the movie theater because she wanted to watch it and I left.
1: You left, and you left your wife there in the theater and said, honey, you find a way home. I'll see you back at home.
8: No, I told her
1: I'd pick her up afterwards, but I couldn't take it no more. Well, and the thing, too, Bill, is even from an action perspective, you cut. I would say you kind of, but not even kind of. You know how it ends. So it's not even like if you just like the action of it. It's like, ooh, could they be saved? Does the ship right? <laughs> does the ship you know maintain enough ballast that the rescue ship? Uh, what was the name of the ship that was in the vicinity? The uh, not the Capricorn. Uh, I forget now. Oh. But anyway, yes. So okay, Bill. Th- thanks for the call. You bailed and you left the left the wife to sit there. All right. Uh, let's see. Quick text four one four hairspray with John Tra- Travolta. Ooh. That's on television all the time, too. Like, I'll be going through the... Like, TNT loves to play that thing. 414 Pet Cemetery. I was only in my 20s, but it was the most horrifyingly scary movie I've ever tried to watch in my life. I did not feel guilty for walking out. Somebody else on the text line said they bailed on Hot Tub Time Machine. Now, I do have to tell you, when you walked in, I don't know if you were expecting to see an Academy Award winning movie, when it's called Hot Tub Time Machine, I don't know that I feel that sorry for you if you did, in fact, walk out. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff is out. I am Scott reminding you that... We are teaming up with the Hunger Task Force to help make a difference for families in need this holiday season. We're also going to have a little fun along the way as all the WTMJ shows and hosts are competing to see who can help donate the most Thanksgiving turkeys to families in need. It is WTMJ Cares. Pass the turkey. Go to WTMJ.com to donate, and don't forget to pick your favorite WTMJ show. I encourage you to vote for me. Just go to WTMJ.com. You'll see the banner at the top, or easy enough, text the word turkey to 855-616-1620. WTMJ Cares is powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum. Stephen Racine texts in as follows. The movie, for me, Gremlins. Now listen to this story. Gremlins. Remember Gremlins? Christmas of 1984. As a single dad, I took my young kids to see what I thought was a fuzzy little movie about little elfin creatures hiding and living in cupboards. They were violent killers. Gremlins were run through blenders spewing green blood. Shot in the head, and endless gore followed. Our kids freaked. We walked out within 10 minutes of it starting. It is the only time I have ever complained to a manager. And it's the last time I took the kids to a movie without checking it out. My bad. I still have nightmares. Good story, Steve. That is good. And I read that one because it's a good story. Also, the only time that I have ever walked out of a movie was when, I don't know if my whole family was there, but I know maybe my brother and my dad, I don't know if my mom was with us then or not, but um, my dad, uh, so the family goes to see um, Nutty Professor Eddie Murphy, right? Nutty Professor, remake. What year was that? Can you take a look? It had to be maybe 15, 20 years ago around. No, it had to be in the 90s because I couldn't drive yet. So maybe mid-early 90s before I, you know, I was still a a kid. 90, okay, yeah, mid-90s, 96. Um, Yeah, I didn't have a license. So we go to see the Nutty Professor because my dad, my dad remembers the Nutty Professor for what? For the prior Nutty Professor from 60-whatever, 63, 62, the Jerry Lewis edition of Nutty Professor, right? The wacky happenings of Jerry Lewis. If you have seen Eddie Murphy's Nutty Professor, it's not really like the Jerry Lewis edition or version of the Nutty Professor. Much to the dismay and chagrin of my dad, who um maybe maybe we got within i think around 15 20 minutes i could tell he was not happy this isn't this isn't oh oh what is oh what is he could tell uh oh dad's not getting happy he's not getting uh jerry lewis nutty professor and uh, about 10 minutes later half hour in we're up and we're out and that was it we got walked out of nutty professor I have since seen it on television because it's one of those movies that is on all the time as well. But, yeah, so I actually left because my dad was not happy that Eddie Murphy's Nutty Professor movie was anything but the Jerry Lewis edition. Back to the phones. Kim and Whitewater, what's the movie that you walked out on or were this close to walking out on?
3: The movie was Brokeback Mountain, but it was a little different. My sister and I went to the movie because we liked all the actors that were going to be in it we walked into the theater in Whitewater and the Whitewater theater was packed and we were the youngest people in there by probably 20 years and I was in my 40s when we walked in um, we started watching the movie and then before you know it people start getting up and leaving Uh we didn't realize why they were leaving all these elderly people thought that it was a Western (laughs) <laughs> you kept hearing
6: these, <laughs> little, these little ladies going, oh, my. Or people were explaining it to each other, what was going on. So while we stayed for the movie, we loved the movie, um, it, was, it did not live up to the expectations of the okay. seniors that were in the group. Okay. So
1: was- <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you called, even though technically it wasn't you that walked out or thought about yeah. walking out, but it was pretty much no. <laughs> everybody else in the theater, these little, nice, friendly, elderly people thinking, oh, it's going to be, It's like John Wayne movie time. Yeah, John Wayne didn't make those movies, Pilgrim. That's not how... uh, Wow. So, yeah, because... When we, we, at
3: the end of the movie, there was maybe a third of the people (laughs) left in the movie
1: theater. Well, and, and because, I mean... I I would be entertained to watch the reaction as, in essence, the love story unfolds, even before you get to the scene or, you know, but just how the relationship builds and suddenly it's dawning on people like, oh, 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 okay, I see where this is going. There were a lot of there were a lot of.
3: Oh
1: my, we need to leave. (laughs) Oh my, thank you, Kim, that's a good one, that's, I get some entertainment in that. Chuck, uh, yeah, Chuck is in Manitowoc, hi Chuck. Hey, how you doing? What's the movie? Actually, I've
5: worked out on two movies when I was younger with my girlfriend, a boring afternoon, and we went over to the theater, and the only thing that we could See, might be worth watching was a classic called Gone with the Wind. You walked and out on no, Gone with the Wind? Uh, about three quarters through because we were bored kind of with it and thought it was just too damn long. <laughs> but then the other one was the Pineapple Express. My kids took me to that and I just wasn't into that one either. I said, you guys can sit here and enjoy that one. I, I'm done.
1: You talk about two movies on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs>
5: Well, that might be true, but
1: I was 18 in 1972, and I knew I had better things to do in my afternoon. Fair enough. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for the call. Pineapple Express. Starring Seth Rogen. If you walk out of a Seth Rogen movie, trust me, I'm not going to hold it against you. Meg is in Menominee Falls. Hey, Meg, what'd you walk out on? Well, my dad
9: pulled me out of Mall Flanders. Um, not a well-known movie. Um, it's often done by masterpiece theater. It's a, it's a great novel. My dad and I used to go to the movies when I was, this is like I was in third grade. We Used to go maybe once, twice a week. It was a great thing that we did. And he would just take me to this movie and we just, there was nothing else to see. And all of a sudden, like 10 minutes into it, you know, there's this woman who's struggling and all of a sudden there's like red lights. And my dad's like, we go now. Oh. And I'm like, what? It's a red light district. Apparently, Moll Flanders is a story of a young woman who struggles her way through life as a prostitute mm. in, the, in mid-century England. Mm. So my dad got me out of there really fast. How old when we were you? Home. How yes. old were
1: you? With I this in
9: third grade. So oh. That would be like eight, seven or eight. So I didn't know why at first. I didn't know what red lights meant.
1: Daddy, what know? does a red light mean? Well, when you see a red light, you stop because then there's, there's yellow and there's green. And that's all you need to know about red lights right now, young lady.
9: <laughs> yeah. Oh, but my favorite though is he took me to see American Pie with my uh, sister and my mom uh, later oh, in life. And a good... <laughs> uh, that was really the most uncomfortable. I wish I could have walked out of that movie experience.
1: That's... Yeah. No one knew what to expect. Well, I was going to say that. and that that's it's yeah, I think I think probably all kids at some point whether it was in a movie theater or maybe, you know, just a, a television show at home. I want you to think right now, when you're sitting there with your parents and all of a sudden there is a, a love scene or a sex scene, even if it's on television and it's not as graphic as you can find in a movie theater like American Pie, there's that uncomfortable kind of throat clearing, you kind of look out of the corner of your eye, are they looking at me, okay, is it over yet, is it over yet? And I'm willing to bet, Meg, I'm willing to bet that the parents feel the same way. You know, that's oh not God. exactly the most yes. uh, comfortable atmosphere when the, it's a family outing and you're an example at a movie and there's, you know, a sex scene going on.
3: Yeah,
9: not so great. Wow. But yeah, that yeah. was it. So I never I've never worked on a movie otherwise.
1: Oh, huh. OK, I Megan, give I, I, the full I would agree that. You know, being in the third grade is a little young to start learning about, you know, prostitution and things like that. So I think your dad was right.
9: Masterpiece Theater did it quite a few times on PBS. Well no, no,
1: no, Meg. If it's on PBS, (laughs) it's educational. If anything on PBS is educational (laughs) and you take it that way. Thanks for the call, Meg. Have a good weekend. Man, there's a lot of good ones. The stories that go with it is great as well. I remember the texture I remember my grandma telling me she walked out of last tango in Paris with Marlon Brando she she should have checked because it was rated X <laughs> ah, so many so many reasons given to us to walk out of a movie
3: welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ apparently
1: several of you were duped by gremlins <laughs> the movie thinking oh three little cuddly creatures let's take the kids Somebody did make a good point. I vaguely remember McDonald's promoting the movie too. So, oh yeah, we'll go to McDonald's. We'll get a happy meal with a Gremlin theme, and then we'll go see the movie. And yeah, Bill is in Racine. Hi, Bill. Thanks for taking
8: my call. 1970. I took my girlfriend to see Midnight Cowboy. Hmm. What a disaster! <laughs> totally, in my opinion, totally dis stasteful and depressing I mean you see John Voight and Dustin Hoffman and at the end of the movie Dustin Hoffman wets his pants on the bus on heading to Florida and all that just and my we were very young and we're looking at each other going what the heck is going on because it's kind of innocent too yeah, right. and it's like well yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a real downer ah. I don't know if it's ever been on on uh, TV,
1: I'm not but, sure. But, I haven't caught it. I've.
8: Well, you need to no! just to get yourself adjusted. <laughs> oh, <No, laughs> uh, you, the, the, the mall Flanders. She just talked to the yep, lady yep. was talking about mall Flanders. Well, this isn't the young girls in prostitution. This is a male prostitution thing, and yeah. it's ugly, very, very uh, ugly. All right. And it was only rated R. What um, the heck?
1: Uh, oh know. well. Well, don't ruin Thanks the end. Spoiler alert, Bill. Spoiler alert. Don't, don't don't ruin the ending for me. Okay. Thanks okay. for the call. See you, just Bill. I know you Justin did. I know you did. Spoiler alert yep. Bill from Racine. <laughs> I hung up on it. If you haven't seen it, if a movie's been made in the 70s and you haven't seen it by now, you're, you're out of luck. That's funny. Um, Mike and go. what was yours? In
9: 1999. It was The Talented Mr. Ripley. We saw it. I don't know if it was after Thanksgiving night or Christmas night, one of the nights we went with a bunch of cousins and brother-in-laws and just a bunch of family members, and we lasted, like, through half of it. It was so dumb. You'd think it would be good. It had Jude Law, Matt Damon, one of Paul Trill, like, Kate Blanchett. I'm like, oh, this movie's going to be great. It was, like, so bad we couldn't, we couldn't even handle being there, I believe.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Let's get one more here, and then we'll wrap it up. John and McGowan go. what was your movie? Talladega Nights. Now, you, is, is it My that wife. you just you didn't know what you were getting into or what there?
5: <laughs> oh, yeah, you could say that. My wife uh, and I, well, Elf, the Christmas movie with Will Ferrell had been very popular.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Our kids were very young, and she said, oh, there's a new Will Ferrell movie out mm-hmm. we can take the kids to. And I never looked it up. She never looked it up. We went in, started watching. The kids were like first second grade we felt we slunk down in our seats so low feeling like people were looking at us and we stomached about 15 minutes of it hoping that it would get better and it got worse and we just had to do the walk of shame out the back of the theater feeling like everybody was judging us Uh, it was awful
1: well that is a dynamic at play thanks john i appreciate it there's a dynamic in play I guess you know from the parental perspective, like the Gremlins one, you know, you you get in there, or you get maybe feel more sheepish, and suddenly people are looking at you like, why'd you bring these these little kids to this particular movie? And you're looking around going, good point, I didn't know. So many texts, and I I I've scrolled and read through them all. I just didn't get a chance because we had so many calls to get to. Them. Um, but the, I, I do want to say the four one four says the hiding place. Not familiar with that one. First date. Thought it was a horror movie, not a tragic drama about the Holocaust. We sheepishly we sheepishly walked out. That could be rough. First date, horror movie. Maybe she'll get scared and I'll have to hold her during the movie. And in the end, it's based on the Holocaust. Mm. Good calls, good texts, a lot of great ones. Couldn't get to everybody. But it is interesting to think back on the movie that you said, nope, I'm out.